0: Welcome to the Baylor Line Foundation podcast. My name is Craig Cunningham, and I am your host. I'm also the editor of the Baylor Line magazine. Today we have a conversation with John McClain. John McClain is a legend in the sports writing world. He's been covering the NFL with the Houston Chronicle for the last 40 years. He's a frequent guest on radio shows around the nation. He has a plaque at the Pro Football Hall of Fame, and he is a brand new inductee into the Texas Sports Hall of Fame. He also might be the only man in America who has an NFL Hall of Fame vote and is a card-carrying member of the Screen Actors Guild. That's right. He has also been in eight pretty well-known movies. He's a fascinating guy, as you'll discover. In this conversation, we talk about John's history with Baylor, Matt Rule, and how he got into acting. Let's jump in. All right, John, thanks for sitting with us. My pleasure. Anything for... Good old B.U. <laughs> Speaking of good old BU, when did you first uh become interested in Baylor?
1: Craig, I grew up in Waco and um I I was I fell in love with baseball when I was about six years old. And I never had any interest in school, but in my library at Crestview Elementary, they had some sports books written in Big, type, easy, and I read I read when I was in fourth, fifth grade bios on Babe Ruth, Ty Cobb, and a lot of the great baseball players. And uh, I don't know if I, how much I remembered, but I just was fascinated. And then my dad was a diehard football fan. He liked baseball fine, but he was, at that time, in the late 50s. You know, there were no Cowboys, there were no Oilers. There were no Astros, and of course, no Rangers, but there was a Southwest Conference, and then there was Baylor, and he had grown up in Waco. He'd gone to World War II and came back, and he was just uh, eating up with Baylor in the Southwest Conference, and he talked about it a lot, like Doak Walker and Sammy Ball and Davy O'Brien, and and uh, he, he told me about a player that played for Baylor, Dell Schaffner, and and so, and he loved the NFL too, but not like Baylor in the Southwest Conference. So he would listen to the games. And I was, I, I didn't have the patience to listen like he did because I know when he listened, it made him mad a lot. It made him complain a lot. And, uh, and then he would go as the emotional spectrum. And I couldn't, I'm thinking, why does he get so excited and then so mad? And he gets mad and it lasts for several days. And so uh, my, uh, my first recollection of becoming a big Baylor fan where I was like my dad and I started listening to all games, it was in 1960, I was a Cub Scout, and Baylor opened against Colorado at Baylor Stadium, and it was Cub Scout night, so Cub Scout troops from all over the Waco area were there. And Baylor beat Colorado. And uh, they had a good crowd first game. And I remember them talking about Ronnie Bull and Ronnie Stanley and and uh, Ronnie Goodwin, the three Ronnie backfield. And and I was just captivated being out there where people cheered and everybody got so excited. My dad was in such a good mood all week. And I got caught up in Baylor green and gold fever. So. From that point on, and they were good in 1960, uh, they won the Gotham Bowl, beat Merlin Olsen in Utah State, and then Ronnie Bull went on to be the, the NFL Rookie of the Year for the Bears, so I followed him, and then at that time, Don Truel and Lawrence Elkins, who are good friends of mine right now, sometime when I'm around them, and I hear them telling stories. My couldn't as Lawrence Elkins is one of the greatest storytellers I've ever heard. And uh, Lawrence is just a character. And back then, he and Don Trull, you know, they were on the cover of Life Magazine, they were on the cover of Sports Illustrated, that's what a prolific duo they were. They were as good or better than anybody in the country, especially the time, you know, Texas is running the ball all the time, Arkansas is running the ball all the time smu was the only other one throwing it all over the place with hayden fry and their quarterback chuck hicks and so baylor was exciting for kids and we do we grew up we were real poor we were in a two-bedroom bat one bath house but my dad would give me 50 cents to buy an end zone ticket never got to sit in the between the goal lines always in the end zone and i didn't realize as I do now, when coaches watch tape in the NFL and college football, they want the end zone tape where you can see better. But we sat in the end zone, and there were a lot of kids there, but I always wanted to, to watch the game. I wanted to storm the field, and I still give Don Trull grief about this. I tried to get his chin strapped. That was the thing, run down there, <laughs> try to get a player to give you a chin strap. Don kicked me in the butt, and he doesn't remember it, of course. And uh, But I love those guys, and I just fell in love with Baylor football. And then I got to a point where uh, we used to sneak into the Heart of Texas Coliseum to Baylor basketball games. And we would, we would hide behind cars, and we would, as a Baylor player, went in the back door, we would run in and grab the door before it closed. And as the player would go up the steps, we would go up the steps about halfway, and then we would climb over a railing, and we could have broken our necks and climb out on this thin wall that led down into the concourse, and we would hang on the edge and drop down. (laughs) And then one time, a security guard caught us, and Carol Dawson still tells the story, and he was about to throw us out, had us by our shirts, and was taking us back down, and Carol walks in, and he said, "What's going on?" Security guard said, "I caught these kids sneaking in here." And Carol goes, "I'll handle this." And he said, "What are y'all doing?" We said, "We, uh, you know, Carol, as big as he was, six seven, and we were just—I'm guessing at the time—we were about twelve, maybe thirteen—and and he towered over us, and he's like, "What are you? What are you doing?" And we said, "Well, we want to see Baylor, but why are you doing this? Because we don't have any money." And he says, is that right? You want to rest?" it? We showed him what we did. He said, you want to risk breaking your neck to watch us play and said, yes, sir. He said, well, come on up here, follow me. And he takes us in the dressing room, introduces us to the players, Bill Menifee, let us sit there while they were doing their pregame thing. And then when they went down to run on the court, he let us not go on the court, but took us down there where we could walk, walk. We always... We would sit wherever we could, mainly way up at the top where there was just cement. People didn't get seats. And uh, so I became a even bigger Baylor basketball fan, but also a Carol Dawson fan to this day. Then Carol, of course, came here and was working in, in uh, tennis shoe business. And uh, when the Rockets hired him as an assistant coach and... Uh, and the rest is history. He won two two rings, and he won four as the general manager of the Houston Comets of the WNBA. And he's so respected in Houston. And so those are things I did. And then uh, and and so the first time, I, and my dad, every year Baylor would pro- play Rice or TCU around my birthday, which is November twenty eighth. And so he would let me get a few friends and buy in zone tickets. And uh, we'd have a little party with cake and ice cream at our house. Then we'd go to the game, sit in the end zone. My friends weren't, you know, they wanted to run around and stuff, and I wanted to watch Baylor play. And in 1963, when they lost the game to Texas, which Duke Carlisle stepped in front of Elkins and intercepted true I started crying. My dad and I were listening on the radio, and I was crying, and he told me, he said, after it was over, he said, John Craig, if you're going to be a fan of the Bears, you better get used to times like this because they just can't beat the Bevos. <laughs> and and they didn't until I was there working for the Waco Tribune-Herald the Miracle on the Brazos. So I would listen to them every year. My friends from Texas would, you know, they were the, the tea sippers, the elitist tea sippers. My parents... My mom told me that they used to call them tea sippers and bevos and all that. And uh, and I asked her one time, I said, "Why do you call Texas the tea sippers?" She said, "Because they're the elitists, like the British, and they sip their tea like this, and they put their little pinky out." And uh, so I always call them tea sippers, tea sips, and uh, and just always have. I do weekly radio with Chip Brown in Austin, they have for years. Yep. Chip's great Let me pump up Baylor, and he gives Baylor props when I'm on there, like when they win a national championship in basketball. He's very fair when I'm on there. And uh, when Baylor beats Texas, of course, I let them know Bears beat t One time, Craig, when I was, it was 61, I was 10 years old, and Texas played Ole Miss in a Cotton Bowl, and it was, Texas is gonna win a national championship. And my, I had grandparents, maternal grandparents lived in Biloxi and we had driven over there one time to see them in the summer. And my grandfather liked Ole Miss and I loved their colors, blue and red. I thought they were great. So when back then you had black and white TVs and my dad would go rent a couple cause a lot of the bowl games came out at the same time and they over, and they overlapped. And so he would put three up there and invite some of his friends over and Baylor's, I mean, Texas playing Ole Miss and I cheered for Ole Miss. And my mama takes me in the bedroom, sits me on the edge of the bed says, John Craig, she said, you can't cheer against the Longhorns today. And I said, why not? We ate the Bevos. She said, not today. I said, why? And she said, because they're playing a team from out of state. I said, so what? You know, Grandpa likes likes Mississippi. I couldn't even pronounce Mississippi, and I liked their uniforms. She said, "Honey, you can't cheer when one of our teams in Texas is playing a team from out of state. You're a Texan, and this is the university." I said, "What do you mean the university? It's the University of Texas, the university." And I went back in, and I didn't cheer for Ole Miss, but I didn't cheer for Longhorns. And the Longhorns won, and the MVP was a wide receiver named Bob Moses. And Bob is now a really good friend of mine. He's been a businessman. He's got his name on buildings in Austin. He, he's involved in every coaching decision. And I, Bob and I talk Baylor in Texas all the time, great guy. I mean, little did I know, I watched that game, hoping Ole Miss would win, but couldn't say anything about it. And Bob Moses helped him win and became the, the MVP. And uh, I've been so blessed, like, to mention Don Troll and Lawrence Elkins. And one time I was in church at, uh, gosh, I can't remember the church I went to. And they told us, and I used to slit, and I became a dollar Cowboys fan, and I would sit in the back row, and as soon as they called people up to come be saved, I would, take off out the back door, (laughs) run like a maniac to my grandmother's house, because I couldn't get to my parents' house, and I'd go run in the front door, sweating like crazy, right as Tommy Loy was finishing the national anthem, so I'd make the kickoff. And one time, this was in 72, they told us at the church, we're gonna have B.J. Thomas, the nationally, internationally renowned singer, uh, who is gonna be here uh, speaking Sunday night, and uh, everybody would want to see him because he is from my head and had great string of hits. And we're also going to have new Baylor coach, Grant Teef. And I'm like, okay, Grant Teef was like the 10th choice, who cares? Baylor's awful, worst program. At the time, people were saying Baylor should shut down their program. Bill Bill's one of the worst hirings in the history of sports at any level. We used to go to the games and we'd pick a section. You know, let's go sit on the 30 and the 40 and have this whole section. And uh, so I went back to see BJ Thomas, and he was really good. He'd overcome drugs and alcohol, and there's a huge crowd. And then they were going to bring up Grant Teeth, and the place almost empty. So I decided to stay and hear what he said since I still was a big Baylor fan. I'd given up hope because they couldn't get the coaches they wanted. Houston Post had a big headline, Bears hired Johnny Majors, the great coach player from Tennessee. He wasn't hired. And to show you how bad Baylor was, Rudy Feldman from New Mexico. New Mexico. They couldn't even get him. They announced he had taken a job, and he had. And then he backed out and stayed at New Mexico instead of coming to Baylor. So then they take this guy, nobody ever heard of heard of Tief. So I went and I asked my mom and dad, y'all want to come up and hear this new coach Teef? And they said, no, that guy, he, nobody wanted him. He's not going to do anything. So I sat there and I listened to Grant, and I was mesmerized. His speech, and I was just blown away. And um his uh Donnell and his daughters were there. Tammy and Tracy, I think, and and they might add a couple other close family members or next door neighbors, and I'm guessing there was about twenty or thirty of us. And I was so impressed. I said, "Oh my goodness! Too bad this guy can't coach, because if he could coach, why would he have been the tenth choice?" And so I go home and I tell my parents. I said, "This guy, man, that he just blew me away." And then of course he was SWC Coach of the Year the first year in '72. And I was, uh, I had the smartest thing I ever did was I, all my friends went to Baylor and I knew I was going to go to Baylor and I knew Baylor was hard. And at that time I wanted to have some kind of career in sports. Had no clue what it would be because I was a ne'er do well in high school, spent four years to get through three. And uh, and I, I made terrible grades Used to get sent to the principal's office so much. Jack Price told me one time, You get sent here so much, I'm gonna have to change the name on the door to Jack Price and John McClain. And I said, No, I think you should change it to John McClain and Jack Price. He takes his billboard out and says, Bend over to my desk, whack. They used to do that to us. And I got a lot, I still got marks of Jack Price on my butt. And um, so, Uh, I went to MCC and took classes that would transfer to Baylor. All my friends told me how hard religion was at Baylor. I took it at MCC and it was a breeze and it transferred. So I'm like, wow, I need to take these others. So I took uh, one of my best friends, Robert Miller, and his mom, Ann Miller, was in English. His dad ran political science, Robert Miller, and his uncle, Vardaman was there forever, and Ms. Miller would say, well, why, when are you going to take my class? I said, you're too hard. I'm taking your classes at MCC, so I don't have to take you. And so things transferred, but my first year at MCC, I sat next to a guy named Kurt Wallace in a mass communications class, and I took it because people said it's got a lot of students and it's easy, and all I wanted was easy. So this guy's next to me, and we started talking it's football. And we started talking about Baylor and the Cowboys. And, uh, and so he turns out he was a photographer at Tribune-Herald. I said, if you're a photographer at Tribune-Herald, what are you doing at MCC? He said, well, they told me I got to get a degree. They're going to the rules coming with the family that owns them, and they want everybody to have a degree. So we talk, and he says to me one day, and this changed my life, Craig. He said, you know, you know a lot about football. I said, I know more football than anybody in Waco. And he said, well, he said, we have an opening at Tribune for Friday Night Football. And I told uh, the boss, Hollis Biddle, that it, I may have a guy who would want to do it. I said, what's Friday Night Football? He said, well, you come in on Friday night. They bring in a crew, and you sit at the news desk. And when high school games in Central Texas are over, a correspondent will call, and he'll give you scoring summary and stats. You fill out a form, then you give it to the writers to write. And I said, how much you get paid? He said, $25. I said, for how long? He said, from, you need to be there from 8 to midnight. And I said, why do I need to be there at 8? The games are not over at 8. He said, well, you just do. You just do. So I said, can I bring my girlfriend? He said, she know anything about football? I said, she wouldn't be my girlfriend if she didn't. He said, okay. So I went down there and started working Friday Night Football. And then I noticed when it was up, everybody else got up and laughed, but my girlfriend and I, duck around because the sports writers were back I could see them through the glass office and I read the Tribune Arrow and I read the the morning Waco News Tribune between my grandparents and my dad and my dad always handed me a sports and said, you want to know what's going on with Baylor in the Southwest Conference you read Dave Campbell and I did religiously but I also read Tony Peterson's columns in the afternoon paper, and so I said, you know what, I want to get to know these guys, and so I told her we're going to stick around, and we did, and I did get to know them, and then once football was over, they said, well, we need somebody to take track agate. Nobody liked taking track and filling out forms. I said, I'll do it, and then uh, when I transferred to Baylor, and I also started taking journalism at MCC, I didn't even know how to type. And so I had to take typing and uh, so um, I transferred over and then I'll never forget the day Hollis Biddle, who was Dave Campbell's right-hand man, came in one day and said, uh, we got a guy, Dick Davis, is leaving and uh, we may offer you the job. If we do, can you handle it being a full-time student? Well, so was Tony Peterson and Lester Zedd. You know, you learn to take classes and work, somehow make it all work. And uh, Dave Campbell didn't have a lot to do with sports. Dave was all caught up on Texas football. One time when I was at MCC, I was working a job at Goldstein McGill selling men's clothes. One night, this woman comes in. I went up because we worked on, we had a base salary and got commission. And she was looking at shirts and I was helping her just standing there and she asked me a lot of questions. Well, what's your name? What do you do? I'm student MCC, what do you want to do with your life? I said, I don't really know, maybe something in sports. She said, you like sports? I said, yes ma'am, what's your favorite, football? Oh, you love football? I said, yes ma'am, I know more football than anybody in Waco. She said, is that right? She said, finally, it's closing time. She said, I'm gonna you gonna be here tomorrow? I said, yes ma'am, it's Thursday, stayed open till nine. She said, I'm gonna bring my husband to look at a couple of these shirts. I said, okay, next night here they come. And she's dragging him behind her, and he looks like he'd rather be at a proctologist than being in there looking <laughs> at shirts. So I go over there, and she pulls some out, and he's bored, and he says, she says, honey, this is a nice young man, what'd you say your name was? I said, John McClain. She said, this is a nice young man who told me he knows more about football than anybody in Waco. And her husband goes, well, that's real nice, Reba. Which shirt you want me to get? She said, honey, it's my husband, Dave Campbell. And I said, and my lips were moving and nothing was coming out. <laughs> and I'm talking to Dave Campbell, saying I know more about football than anybody wake up. <laughs> and I've told this story a million times. Of course, Dave doesn't remember it and Reba doesn't either. But Dave, it wasn't like he shook my hand, but all he wanted to do was get out of there. You know, he wasn't going to say anything, get in a contest or draw me out. He just wanted to go. So he, she picked out a couple of shirts and that
0: was it. And I couldn't speak. Hey, if you're interested in news and updates about Baylor, I want to invite you to sign up for our Friday 5 email. Uh, It's a very short email that goes out every Friday morning with five of the top stories that happened at Baylor that week. You can sign up at baylorlinefoundation.com backslash Friday dash five. Let's get back to our conversation.
1: Because I'd met Dave Campbell, because his picture was never on a column. It was always just his Name and the Clouded Crystal Ball when he did his predictions on Southwest Conference on Friday. A little did I know that probably two years later I was going to be working for him. And uh, in '74, he always wrote the lead on Baylor games, and I'd read every word he'd ever written and on everything. And uh, at that point, I had been hired and I was making 110 a week, and uh, I was junior. We were working 60 hours a week at the Trib. We'd get off at like, get home at two in the morning, and I'd go in and I'd try to study, although I didn't care about anything but journalism. And then I'd fall asleep for a couple hours, get up and go to class. And I was a terrible student. I had some very gracious, generous professors who took it easy on me, because they knew I was working full time. And uh, so in 74, Texas came, Earl Campbell's a freshman, and. And uh I was writing the Texas sidebar on their dressing room. Lester Z, who's been at the Chronicle and was at the post before that, he was another Baylor grad from Waco, one of my closest friends, he was doing the Baylor dressing room. And at halftime, Texas is killing Baylor, and I went to the back of the press box, saw all these fans leaving, and I tell Dave Campbell, I said, you know the bad thing about being a sports writer? And he said, What? I said, You can't leave at halftime when you know your team's beat. <laughs> He said, well, young man, he said, He said, uh, I've seen stranger things happen, and I looked behind Dave's back at Lester and rolled my eyes like, yeah, right, and then I sat down, and then of course Baylor came back, ignited by Earl Campbell, roughing the punter penalty in which he was trying to block a punt, so Baylor wins, first time they've beaten Texas and in, in 20-something years, and... Gave me the inside track on first Southwest conference title in 50 years. So I was trying to hide my, you know, not be a fan. And I went to Texas dressing room, got a couple of quotes, and then I watched Darryl Royal walk out and I followed him and he went in the Baylor dressing room and he, Taff congratulated Grant and asked Taff if he could talk to the team. And Grant said, sure. And he gives this great speech to the players about their effort and their performance. He said, "You take care of rice. We'll take care of the Aggies, and you'll be the Southwest Conference champs." And I thought, "Darn it, man! I've grown up to hate Daryl Royal and the Longhorns, and he's pretty classy. How can you <laughs> hate somebody like that?" So I went up and I and I wrote my story and I sent it in. and I went home, and you know they kept the scoreboard on all night and. and uh, Dr. Reynolds and some of them slept in the press box. And so my dad said he was listening on the radio and watching on TV, people just driving around the stadium. He said, can we drive around at one time? I said, sure, because I knew how much it meant to him. So he loads up my mom and I and my brother and I drive and I get get in the line and we drive around at once. Then he wants to drive around again. And we're putzing along at five miles an hour. Everybody looks up at the fog-shrouded scoreboard. And I thought, as one of looking back, one of the coolest times of my life, because it meant so much to them and me too. And uh and I saw the last time I saw Daryl Royal before he dies, Texas Sports Hall of Fame. <clears throat> and I went up to him and talked to him about it and told him how much it had meant to my life. Little did I know I'd ever run into him. probably four years later, be able to talk to him about it. But being able to go through all those experiences with Baylor and uh, then starting back when I at 1960, culminated by being a distinguished alum and I'm still so bummed I couldn't be there. I was at the Super Bowl. I would have given up the Super Bowl in a heartbeat if I could have, but I'm on Pro Football Hall of Fame selection committee and i had to help a couple of guys and i couldn't abandon them and not being able to be there but having tony peterson who's really the one who convinced them to hire me at the tribune harrow and then he got me hired the chronicle and then when he was named sports editor, he put me on the oilers and uh, as i've told him many times i helped him get a lot of promotions made him look really (laughs) really good And then have Cody Carlson, who I watched play quarterback and then covered him with the Oilers, be the MC that night. I just, I'm so glad if I couldn't be there, they were there. A lot of my friends were there. And uh, that was one of the, that was probably my biggest Baylor disappointment since the 1963 Texas game. And uh, I told my wife that, and she said, Yeah, but Baylor's lost a lot of games. She said, she said, "You were so bummed when they lost to Duke here at the regional with 40,000 fans, almost 35 Baylor fans." I said, "Yeah, but I said this one cut to the core." So anyway, I I, I was so appreciative of that, and uh, that was uh, I've had I've been blessed to have a lot of honors in my life, and so many of them because of Baylor, I wouldn't be where I am now, in my first NFL training camp with the Oilers was 1977. I wouldn't be where I am right now without Baylor and everything Baylor meant to me. And I'm still a big fan. And uh, when they got good on Art Briles, I would tweet about Baylor and I'd get mad. And I would tweet really negative stuff. And people told me the message boards were killing me, but I do that with the Texans too. And then I thought, you know what, I gotta quit that, that's not fair. And so now I don't tweet about Baylor unless it's positive. And I'm always so proud when they win. Kim Mulkey and that team winning that championship, beating, uh, beating Notre Dame the way they did was just uh, an honor to be uh, be a part of Baylor. And every time I come back and I drive by the stadium, can't wait to see the new basketball arena. When I, when I used to go to Arena Mars McLean Gym, and watch them play, then the Heart of Texas Coliseum, then the roof blew off and tornado, and they went back to Rena Mars, McLean, and then the Farrell Center to me was like the Taj Mahal, and now I can't wait to see the new building. I used to spend so many days at watching Baylor-Dutton Street Park. When I'm back in town, I still go around the campus, I still drive by what's left of Dutton Street Park, a piece of stands, And sometime if it's somebody that is not familiar with that, I'll drive them by like my dad used to drive me by old Municipal Stadium where he grew up watching Baylor before they moved into Baylor Stadium in 51. So I'm very nostalgic, especially about Baylor. And uh, so there's not a time when I'm back there, I'm not in in spending time. And I run into a lot of former Baylor players in NFL. And I tell them number one, are you giving back to Baylor? Mm Number two, when's the last time you went back? And when they, when they built the, everything along the river, I'd see players, well, I haven't been back in a long time. i said well, you wouldn't know how to get around. It's amazing what's happened around the campus, what's happened downtown. And I'm so happy for them, uh, for everybody associated with it. I'm uh, glad Baylor's bounced back from the scandal. I'm glad that uh, they're doing well in so many sports. And when I retire, in another three or four years, we have season tickets to football, but I'm going to spend a lot of time coming back watching them, not just play football. I can only come one or two games a year because of the Texans. I'll be coming to all the games. I'll be coming to basketball, men, women, and I'll be coming to baseball as well because I love the Baylor Bears.
0: What do you, what do you think about Rule?
1: I think Matt Rule has done a tremendous job. Nobody would dispute that. Coming when he did, Mac Rhodes did a tremendous job hiring him. Coming when he did, going from one to seven victories, went into bowl game in Houston. I was there cheering like crazy from a suite with a bunch of my Baylor friends. And the way he's recruited after not being able really to have a recruiting class and losing so many, I think he's done a fabulous job. And if Matt leaves, I hope Baylor people, they'll be disappointed. I don't want any people to be bitter because if he leaves, it's because he wants new horizons, new challenges. And because the NFL likes Matt, he interviewed with the Colts, Chris Ballard, they liked him. He interviewed with the Jets, Mike McKagan, who I know got fired by the Jets. Mike liked him a lot. And so I saw... Matt at the Combine, interviewed him at the Combine. I just, I don't know, Matt, never ask him this question, but knowing he's interviewed for the Colts and the Jets, and knowing what the NFL thinks, I believe he's gone to the NFL. Not a matter of uh, if but when and one to keep an eye on, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Mm. Tom Coughlin employed him uh, for his one year with the Giants. Coughlin is in charge of the Jaguars. Coughlin has got Doug Marone. Most of us believe that Marone is on the hot seat. They go from the AFC Championship game, coming close to going to the Super Bowl and winning against the Patriots to finishing in last place. And they spent a lot of money on quarterback Nick Foles. If they don't bounce back and at least make a serious playoff run, Marone could be gone. And it wouldn't surprise me at all if Matt gets an interview and if he got hired. But uh, I'm really fired up about football. You know, it's hard enough to go from one to seven. It's even harder to go from seven to nine or 10, but I think they're capable and uh, I can't wait for football season. And I think Matt Rule, uh, I think he'll go down in Baylor history is as, as not just a, a great coach, but a special person to come there mm. from Temple because When he was hired, I read every media person I could from that part of the country, and then national people, and there was a universal praise of Matt. He could have gotten another job, he could have gone somewhere else if he was that good and everybody liked him so much, but to come bail out Baylor at the worst time in Baylor football history, I think people should reserve a special place in their heart for Matt Rule, uh, no matter what
0: happens. What, what does he have that's so desirable by the NFL?
1: First what? time I met Matt, Matt Rhodes set it up. Uh, it was before his first season. I was in town for a basketball game, and I asked to meet him. We went to his office, me and Tony Peterson and two or three of my other friends, and we talked to him, and he, I told them later, I said, he, he comes across as younger with his energy. I said, I can... See how young guys can relate to him. Because of his personality, his vibrancy, he just comes across as younger. Hmm. He knows how to communicate. And If he impresses us that much in that short period of time, he's going to impress parents, kids, high school coaches. I thought the way they went about hiring those high school coaches from Texas. Uh, a friend of his, Sean Ryan, who was a longtime quarterback coach of the Texans, who left uh, this year to go to Detroit, I did a story with Sean talking about Matt. They were together with the Giants, and he said, let me tell you something, 15 minutes after you meet him, he's gonna, you're going to be captivated by him. And an hour after he got Texas, gets to Texas, it's, you're going to think he's a Texan. Sure. He knows how to fit in. He's smart. He can blend in anywhere. And I thought, you bring him and the staff up there from the northeast, it's going to take them forever to get ingratiated into Texas and Waco and Baylor climate. But when he went out and hired those high school guys, it was brilliant. He runs a a tight end. He runs a fullback. Even though NFL doesn't play a fullback very much, but they all play tight ends like crazy, he just seems like his offense and defense are NFL types, that uh, he likes players who are big like the NFL does. He just seems to me, uh, with his enthusiasm and his personality, people may think, well, he's great for recruiting. He's great for motivating college kids, and he is. But you got to do that in the NFL. you got to recruit free agents. You've got to sell yourself to players. And I'm ch- guessing that it's a, it was a challenge to go to Temple. It was a challenge to come to Baylor. And at Matt Sage, I'm guessing he's going to want another challenge, mm-hmm. and that challenge, you know, he's been offered college jobs after what he's done at Baylor, and uh, and considering Chris Ballard and Mike Mcagnan, the general managers of the Indianapolis Colts and the New York Jets, were so impressed, and they talk, words got going to get around about Matt Rule, and uh, Matt has been upfront about it as he has to be, of course. And I, I just think an NFL team is going to hire him.
0: You're probably right. So I hope it's a couple years from now. Not,
1: well, not now. I, I believe that when Mac Rhodes did a great job of getting Matt Rule, if Matt goes to the NFL or another college program, I hope he stays there forever. But when he does, I have the utmost confidence Mac Rhodes will hire another great coach. Because look at where the program is now to where the program was with Matt. And Baylor pays a lot of money people were stunned at how much art browse made they 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 step up to pay their coaches mm-hmm. and the money's not an issue back it used to be assistant coaches didn't get paid now they do so uh, with all the facilities the way they are uh, there's going to be a lot of coaches interested in Baylor's job whenever it comes open do
0: mm-hmm. you need to go
1: Uh, No, I'm good if you got anything else.
0: Yeah. Uh, Are you you the only man in America with a a SAG card and a pro football vote, a Hall of Fame vote? (laughs)
1: Let me think a minute. (laughs) If there's anybody on our committee that has a a Screen Actors Guild card, uh, uh, there are some on that committee that have been in a couple of movies, but I doubt they got that SAG card because, number one, To get it the first time costs a lot of money. From then to renew it, it doesn't. And I carry that thing in my wallet like a badge, (laughs) even though I haven't been anything since spring breakers. I, uh, and I take a lot of pride in that. I had, I had, uh, last summer, I fell in our airport garage and blew out my left shoulder and left humerus bone and had to be replaced. And I had to wear this contraption, couldn't sleep in a bed for three months. So I'm sitting in this contraption, can't go to training camp first two weeks. My phone rings and it's a 310 area code LA. Usually I don't answer numbers that I don't know, but I'm sitting there with nothing to do. I answer, a guy asked me if it was me, I said yes. He said, I'm a talent agency, I grew up in Lake Jackson, listening to you on the radio and reading you in the Chronicle and I've seen you in a few movies and uh, could you get on a plane and fly to LA tomorrow and and do an episode of The Young and the Restless? And I said, his name was Albert. And I said, Albert, if there was any soap opera that I did, that's the only one I know I would be honored to do it and tell everybody I was in an episode of Young and the Restless. But I am not in a situation to get out there. And I told him, and he said after football, he'd get back in touch with me. And uh, I thought that was so funny. I came so close to being in the Young and the Restless.
0: I was—I uh, had no idea you acted, and I watched. Well, Spring that's Break- putting it lightly. <laughs> I watched *Spring Breakers* and uh, *You're the Judge*, and I stopped it, and I was like, "What on <laughs> earth is John McClane doing in this movie?" It was looked a lot up, of fun, and you've been in like eight movies—eight
1: or nine. I've lost track. They have an IMDb page, but I've never done anything on it, and it's not up to date. But *Spring Breakers* was the last thing I did, and it was a lot of fun. I spent nine hours shooting a brief scene in a Bradenton, Florida, courtroom with Selena Gomez, uh, Ashley Benson, uh, uh, Vanessa Hudgens, and the director's wife. And I had a blast. Got treated like royalty. And the minimum you can make is a Screen Actors Guild members 800 a day. And I'll never forget when I got to Tampa, they had a limo waiting on me, and with my name on there, and they took me and Baylor was playing Tennessee in basketball, the women. And I was in a hurry, and I was hoping, I hope they don't have anything for me to do. they take me to my hotel, I run to my room, I order a cheeseburger, fries, and a Diet Coke, and I get there just in time to watch Baylor beat Tennessee, and I got $800 for doing that. And then the next day, we worked, and then the last day, they take me to the airport at 9 a.m., and I make $800, and it's cash, and then they give you cash for per, your per diem on the... Well, here's 180, because you got $60 a day for food. I said, well, only ate one meal because we had food on the set. And they felt bad, they could only pay the minimum. And I'm like, I'll come back here every day for $800 hey, a you day. Hey, got,
0: you got the card.
1: <laughs> it was worth it. I told my wife, I said, see, we paid this back in space.
0: All right, last question for you. If you had a, if you had a magic wand, how would you fix the rockets?
1: If I had a magic wand and I could wave it over the rockets I would wave it over James Harden to where he played in the playoffs (laughs) like he does in regular season. And he may have three great quarters, but then have fouls and fouls and turnovers in the fourth quarter. And because if he played in the playoffs, the way he plays in regular season, they wouldn't be blowing games like they did in the sixth game in Houston against the Golden State Warriors. And so, uh, you know, I've, I don't think it would be – of course I would add more players and get rid of players, but one thing with a magic wand, that's what the Rockets need more than anything, is Harden to play in the fourth quarter of playoff games the way he does in regular season.
0: All right, well, John, there's a lot more we could talk about, but you're a busy man, so. I could talk about Baylor for hours,
1: Greg. Thank you very much as always.
0: Thank you so much for doing this. That was John McClain. The Baylor Line Foundation is a nonprofit that is the voice of Baylor alumni. To learn more about what we do, visit us online at www.BaylorLineFoundation.com. We'll see you next time.